0: Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. Every Thursday, your hosts, Dan and Dawn, share with you their experience and insights on kink, power exchange, and erotic life, as well as bring you interviews with exciting people from various lifestyles. Then every Monday, you'll hear from our various guest hosts. These nationally known educators bring a variety of experience to the mics and share with you an ever-increasing diverse world of alternative life. Erotic Awakening is intended for mature audiences. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. Hello, fellow adventurers of sexuality and spirit, and welcome to Erotic Awakening with Lee Harrington. It has been. crazy month and a half. uh, I've been having this adventure over the last three and a half weeks with the fantastic Ms. Melina Williams, who is now going by Melina, if nothing else, because she's decided that she is so fantastic she only needs one name, and I personally would agree. We've been traveling all over the place promoting our brand new book, Playing Well With Others, your field guide to discovering, exploring, and navigating the BDSM, kink, and leather communities. And as part of that adventure, we decided to have a road trip. And this is how all good ideas start. I find is a idea proposed on an email or a text message at two a m in the morning, and we decided that no no, really let's let's do this because both of us have freaky, strange schedules, and it happened to be that our schedules matched up. So we decided let's let's go, let's see what happens. So our road trip so far has taken us from Boston to Hartford. New York to Philadelphia, Baltimore to Cleveland, Chicago to St. Louis, Albuquerque to Phoenix, Los Angeles to San Francisco, a whistle stop in Klamath Falls, Oregon, Portland, Oregon, Seattle, and I am currently recording from the beautiful Vancouver, B.C. It's been a complete whirlwind. Everything from classes at universities at the fantastic University of Chicago to kinky cafe spaces, a masquerade ball, a Halloween party featuring a class on taboo fantasy role-playing by Melina and myself, a uh, sexuality conference, the fantastic Dark Odyssey Surrender, which totally blew my mind away, appearing at munches, going to dungeon spaces, going to sex shops... It's been amazing, absolutely amazing, and a large part of it is getting to just experience the diversity of this thing we call the kink community, because a lot of times when I talk to people, they have a very specific image of what the kink community looks like to them, as I talked about in a podcast uh, two months ago, and I'll happily link to that, but Getting to experience it firsthand in such a compact period of time, where in most cases we were hitting a different city every single day, having that experience of having it all contracted down was incredibly powerful. Getting to talk to folks who have been in the scene literally for 40 years, and other people who coming out to whatever it is that we were doing was their first thing their first exploration into the kink community and having that breadth of experience as well as all of those crazy regional differences seeing how people interact with each other in the midwest as compared to the northwest right a little bit different flavors So here I am now in Vancouver, B.C., and reflecting on the experience of it all. And I did say five weeks, because before that, I had done a period of time in Toronto and another period in the beautiful Phoenix, Arizona. So I got Phoenix twice in just over a month, which is great. So I've been on the road for a while, and there are certain moments that have touched me like really profoundly touched me, and some of them in really weird little ways. Having a person I know in Chicago hand-knit me a scarf was, wow, really, really beautiful. Getting to spend time with my mother in Seattle, uh, having an opportunity to wander by myself around Los Angeles and remember the times I've been there before and actually getting to sink in some quality time. Those moments where I look into the eyes of old friends getting to see an ex-boyfriend of mine down in Albuquerque and his fantastic new fiance, Those times where I got to curl up with somebody who it's a little bit complicated with, but really, really excellent with. Having hard conversations from the bottoms of a train. These things are important. These moments that shape and transform us, and... This tour is, is something that I will remember in my life. And part of the reason that I'll be remembering it is what I think of as the rituals of our tribe. I was at Dark Odyssey Surrender, Which is a brand new event that just debuted in San Francisco featuring the Dark that's being produced by the folks at Dark Odyssey that you've heard me talk about before with Dark Odyssey Fusion, Dark Odyssey Summer Camp, and Dark Odyssey Winter Fire coming up in February in the Washington in Washington DC. But they do debuted a brand new event in San Francisco itself at the same venue that hosts a couple of other kink conferences. But when I talked to people who attended, it was a different experience than the other ones they've been to, because unlike it being an all-leather event or an all-men's event, this was specifically an event that crosses over between kink and tantra and paganism and queer politics and people embracing the diversity while coming together and enjoying their hedonism. While I was there, I had the opportunity to teach two solo classes, fill in for a class, uh, do a performance art piece, co-teach two classes, and do the opening ritual. All of these were individual. (laughs) They were all a different thing, because the rope class, hands-on, fun, silly, laughing, everybody having a great time, really, really fun. Doing my class that is a roundtable discussion called Beings of Faith and Desire, which is about exploring and looking at what it's like to be a person of faith and still embracing whatever our hedonism looks like, was so beautiful that I wanted to cry. Someone in the space talked about how they had been kicked out of their family and excommunicated from their faith because they were perverts. And other folks were talking about monastic lifestyles and what it was like to move, and currently what it's like to move from being somebody who finds profound connection to the divine through an ascetic practice and is now a hedonist. What do you do with that? Moving from those two, my co-taught classes were on dark role-playing with Wintersong Toshlin, where the word of the day was evisceration and disembowelment. I guess that would make it words of the day, wouldn't it? And I joke about it and laugh about that, but it was really, really beautiful to see folks talk about those things that they're afraid to share with the world out of concern that they're going to lose friends, lose loved ones, because something is taboo something is dark, something is wrong, something is inappropriate, that somehow your kink is okay, but my kink is fucked up. It was really interesting seeing everyone share on that, and then when Melina and I co-taught, it was on a kink community primer, which we've done a number of during this tour, but it was really different for me at Surrender, because I had one friend in the front row who I haven't seen for a number of years. And there's a story that I tell that I've told over and over and over again. And the difference was that she was there. She was there when the story took place. And the story is that I was waiting with a whole bunch of our luggage uh, with a group of folks to go to a TNG conference. And everybody else had run inside to a diner to get some food. And I was standing outside and minding all of the luggage, because I'd already had breakfast. And this little fabulous black lady comes up, probably in her 70s, I want to say, and she comes up and goes, Well, where are you kids off to? And everybody's just returned from their diner, and they're about to speak, and I just say, Actually, we're about to go to a relationships conference where we're going to talk about how to have better communication with the people that we care about. And the little old lady went, that's fantastic. I didn't work on that with my husband until we'd been married for years and years and years. I think it's great that you kids are starting on that stuff so young. And she headed in a different direction. I remember my friends turning to me and saying, why did you lie to the little old lady? And I explained that I didn't. I was speaking in her language. And the friend of mine who was sitting in the front row of the class started laughing and saying, oh my God, I remember that. That was hilarious. And you handled that so well. And it taught me a lot. And that was really cool. I remember that. And having somebody who was there... Who remembers it? Who was there to tell us that we didn't make it up? Because there are moments, at least in my life, where I look back and go, okay, if my life were a movie, I would have considered that it jumped the shark a number of years ago. Right. You started out in the BDSM community at a young age and got to explore and travel all over the world as a porn actress, and then you had a gender transition, so now you're this dude who works full-time as a sex educator? It sounds a little fictitious. If I were watching it on a movie, I might question it. And yet I have friends who are there. I have friends who can turn to me and say, no, really? I remember. I was there. That moment happened. You're not crazy. You might be a little eccentric. You might be a little bit off-kilter some days, but you're not crazy. You didn't make this up. I was there and I lived it too. And that made that class really special to me. So as I was exploring Dark Odyssey Surrender, doing the performance art piece, playing with people who I care about profoundly, going to have good meals with people who I adore, all of that kind of stuff, there was a moment that really, really touched me. Wintersong and I have been co-sharing roles as Dark Odyssey's you know, tribal shamans, as it were. We do a lot of the opening and closing rituals at the different events, and I've been really touched over the years to get to do a lot of the major rites as well and we were getting ready to go downstairs at surrender to go open the space that we took we decided to take the center of the play space downstairs and create a circle there where we had everybody gather around and set their intentions and what they're looking for and really hold that energy, and then we would take the circle of energy and move it out to the rest of space and make this a liminal space between worlds, the idea that it would be something new and created together. And Winner's got this singing bowl in his hands, and I'm there in my leathers, my leather title vest and all that stuff, and we pass by Robert Lawrence. Now, Robert Lawrence is one of the founders for the uh, Center for Sex and Culture in San Francisco, which is a beautiful space, hosts educational events, hosts parties, has a huge library that is just beautiful with those really sexy library rolling uh, ladders because this, the, the uh, library goes from floor to ceiling and it's very tall ceiling. So if you're just into library porn, go to the Center for Sex and Culture. And we wander by him and he bows a little and says thank you for continuing on the traditions of our tribe thank you for continuing on the rituals of our tribe and my heart stopped for a moment because Robert's been exploring the kink community publicly from since at least the seventies if not the sixties and is this beautiful gentleman with long, flowing hair who was carrying a whip that perfectly matched and was engraved in the same way as the cane that he was walking on. Beautiful inside and out. He is a living saint of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. I've known him on and off for many years, and it was huge for me to hear those words from him. It's just like hearing Cleo Dubois and Fakir Moussafar say thank you for writing Sacred Kink. This is important stuff. Hearing Cleo say this new book you have, Playing Well with Others, this is what our community needs. This is important. And for me when the elders of our people Folks who have been doing this for ages and ages, people who were trained by people who remember, talking to the people who remember, the people who were there, having them say these kinds of things to me echoes in my heart, echoes in my being, echoes in my spirit, touches my soul in a way that, that is beautiful that is breathtaking, and that also feels like an obligation. That if I've been handed these traditions, it is my obligation to carry them forward, and I do not take such things lightly. And so, going downstairs and doing that ritual, encouraging people to craft what this would look like, felt a little bit more intense that evening, because Robert had said that. And I think these moments where somebody says something offhand that touches us are important to hold on to. These are the moments that change our lives. These are the moments that we remember. It's not necessarily the big booms, as it were. It's not necessarily the, oh my God, that thing was crazy. Sometimes it's the little words whispered to us as we're wandering by. Sometimes it's that little thing a lover says at 3 a.m., when they don't think we're listening. Sometimes it's the moment where a hand caresses across our cheek as compared to when the hooks went in. Sometimes it's the little things. And as I was there, feeling the idea of, feeling the experience of carrying on these traditions of our tribe, I felt something stir in me as i walked around the circle that wasn't a perfect circle it was a perfect whatever the hell it is as i was walking around that space i decided to lock eyes with every single person i passed that this is not just about me as a priest or as a shaman of our people passing on this information it's not just me doing the magic Magic is intention times attention. And if we look at it that way, you can cast these spells too. You can create this reality. You do the work. We all do. And so I locked eyes with each person as I walked around the circle and acknowledged them and passed that on. This is yours too. These are the rituals of our tribe, and you get to take them forward. That flogger that you are hitting with is a tool that has been used for so long to transform our states of consciousness, to create an altered state of consciousness, to awaken consciousness. That's part of what we do, and it is important. These tools we have have history. These tools we have have meaning. We wear our leathers. We strap on our thigh high latex boots and, in doing so, evoke the memory of every single femdom that has come before. We call them a fetish for a reason. Those things that are taboo role playing are called taboo for a reason because, like tapu, we are embracing and touching something that is meant only for the gods, that is meant only for the leaders of our tribe. We are doing something transcendent, something powerful, and it should not be taken lightly. If we go here, we are going somewhere powerful, somewhere important. Think twice before you cross this line. There is no going back. And in some cases, if you do that thing that is taboo, you will not be the beloved of your tribe anymore. It's a scary place, a scary moment to consider. But we make decisions, and we make choices, and we make choices on who we share these things with. And so being back in that moment, continuing on the traditions of a tribe, I still don't believe we are a single tribe. I don't think we ever will be, because it's a confederation of tribes that happen to fly the same freak flag. We are so diverse in our sexual desires, in our political realities, in our geographic realities, that we're never going to be a single tribe, a single community. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that it is a single homogenous experience. I am saying that when we choose to create something powerful and it takes on traditions and rituals, we have the capacity to hand down the power, hand down the gnosis of those things that we do. That is the meaning when I say tribe. That we have a shared history, that we have a shared meaning, and that this is important. And to a lot of you listening, it's not important, and that's cool. Kink can be just kink. Kink can be fun and hot and sexy and enjoyable and a great way to get it on with your lover. Rock on. That's fantastic! Embrace it! Do it! Own it! I'm all for that. There's a lot of my kink that's just like, you know what? Yeah! That! That's what I want. Shove that in, push that down, push me down to the ground, use me, fill me, let me have my boot on the back of your neck. Yeah, it's good. But there's others of us that are doing other kinds of work who are not just playing, but are doing capital W work. And for us, there might be something different going on. And in some cases, we're doing both. Put that boot on the back of my neck and let me fly. Let me sink down into the underworld. Transform my reality as you grind me down. Sometimes it can be E all of the above. On Monday... After a surrender, I went to the second meeting of a group called Basque Bay Area Sacred Kink. And I wanted to cry as uh, Luna Bella introduced me. Luna Bella and Calliope uh, are the fantastic individuals who founded Basque, but their goal is to get a community of individuals who are doing sacred kink working of all kinds of shapes and sizes who want to share a space together, who want to share educational opportunities together, who want to do ritualistic workings together, who want to have a place to come and have those profound connections and interactions where it won't be weird they invited me to come out and do a uh, class slash ritual on what they called the sacred element of bondage and as they talked about that uh... as we had some conversations ahead of time it got me really thinking about the idea that uh, if the different eightfold paths are major pathways to alter states of consciousness what are the different tools do we associate them by elements north south east and west and what we associate those with either in ceremonial magic or in Wicca and other pagan traditions, and that's one possibility, the idea that north is the stomping of boots, the idea that east is the singing of a single-tail whip through the air, the idea that south is fire and wax dripping down onto the flesh, and that west is spit and cum and bliss and piss. And if that's the case, that's one way to sort these things out, but what if we sort them out instead with bondage being the idea and restraint for North, of grounding us down into our ties? So I started playing around with that idea, and when I came to Basque, I ended up doing a hands-on technique of teaching people a Texas handcuff which is, you know, it goes on fairly quick and easily, and then looked at applying intention and attention to that same tie, along with doing some uh, conversational and, we'll call it a sermon. I did a sermon of sorts on the notion of rope and bondage and the power that it can have. And at the end of it, we did a ritual together where we took our intentions and attention, and applied them specifically to creating Basque, Bay Area sacred kink, into something that would be tribal, something that would be communal. What were your prayers and thoughts, either for the group, or for your own personal exploration in this work? And we took a piece of rope that had been gifted from uh, Dark Odyssey, from one of the producers of Dark Odyssey, and we used that to be able to hand down tradition. That literally a piece of Dark Odyssey was used as a seed for growing the garden that is Basque. The Basque is going to be its own totally different garden, but there's going to be a few flowers that might have that feeling of Dark Odyssey. So with that being the case, it made me really remember that these pieces all tie together. These things we did before and the things we're going to do to come. But the piece that also made me cry there was the introduction that Lunabella gave me. She told The Room that Bay Area Sacred Kink got its title from my book Sacred Kink and that I was doing some really important work, and I still don't know how to handle that statement. I'm wondering if you at home have those moments where people say really cool things about you And you don't believe it. Or somebody says, oh my god, last weekend when you were wearing that outfit or when you were tied up, it was so beautiful. You are so beautiful. Do you believe it? Do you believe it when somebody says that thing was so hot or I want to play with you because you have such amazing talent and skill? Do you believe it? Do you believe it when somebody says, I love you? Do you believe it? Do you believe you deserve these words of affirmation? Do you believe you deserve the gift of somebody saying something profound about you or something little about you that just happens to tweak you in that little bit of a weird direction? Do you deserve this? I know for myself, I don't always believe it. I just don't. I'm working on it, and my hope is for you, you'll start working on it, too, because you're an amazing being. You are powerful and beautiful, and... Sometimes it doesn't feel like it. And sometimes it doesn't look like it from the outside when we're crying. And snot's falling out of our nose, and the day just sucks. But that doesn't make us any less amazing, and it doesn't make the things we did three years ago any less amazing, and that doesn't make us any less powerful, because today it's really crappy as compared to how it was a few days back. So, maybe it's a meditation to think on, or a mantra, or, eh, something to ponder and throw away. Right? You don't have to take all of my advice. Hell, I certainly don't. Just words on a paper. Words sent to you over the pixels. And I'm sending these words out because maybe if you start believing it, I might too. And we're not gonna be as alone. And when I talk about passing on the traditions of our tribe, that's I think that's part of the center of it. I think that's one of the pieces is that we're not alone. There's other people out there who are doing the same stuff or really similar stuff who get it, who share a lexicon, who share an experience, who will see you and look you eye to eye and say, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. So this has been Erotic Awakening with Lee Harrington. And my hope is that I'm out here, too, letting you know that I get it. Until next time, stay cool, have fun, be authentically yourself, and have a fantastic journey.